Breakdown, the football podcast for the fans, by the fans, where we discuss the X's and O's of each week's premier football games. Your hosts are Jay and Allen. And when was the last time 80,000 people showed up to see a kid doing chemistry experiments? You play football like a Janeiro played football. And Brian. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. And Lindsay. My favorite scene. I don't know what a hook he is, Let's get to the breakdown. You play to win the game. It's time for the Gridiron Breakdown. I'm Jay. I'm Alan. I'm Brian. And I'm Lindsay. And we are here with the conference championship games for the NFL all teed up. And we're going to get you ready for them. It's episode 22 of our 2020 season. And boy, we got a lot of news to get to this week before we get to the games. Let's talk about some coaching news that's gone around. Good bit of it went down since our last show. The Jets hired Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator from the 49ers, who managed to put together a top defense in spite of having a you know mash unit of dudes uh, on the team to do it with. He takes the offensive coordinator with him out there to uh, East Rutherford to take on Gang Green. Uh, that's a big one. Any thoughts on that one, gang? What do you think of the Jets hire there? It sounds like after Gase, he'll be a breath of fresh air, honestly. It sounds like they were specifically looking for a coach who could rebuild that whole culture. Sounds like Selah could potentially be the guy to do that. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I think it's the best hire I've seen in the NFL so far. I mean, I think, like you said, Jay, I think he had that defense ranked fifth in the NFL. And, I mean, they had so many guys on and off our IR. And just, I mean, the fact that he was able to put that together with that bunch shows you that he is a uh, quality coach. Yeah, I don't know. I can't add anything else. I mean, Gase was – Terrible. Uh, so anything yeah. <laughs> is a breath of fresh air at this point. You could, I mean, but the fact that he can throw me in there and it'd be better. I'm there. like, did they owe him some coupons or something? I don't know. It's very weird. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, after uh, denying it for weeks, hired Urban Meyer, former Ohio State and Florida head coach, national championship winning coach. We should give the devil his due there, and I mean that in every possible respect. Um, interesting choice. Uh, we've seen this work before jimmy johnson to the cowboys we've also seen it completely not work uh steve spurrier to the uh now defunct washington redskins uh brian what do you think uh, going after the college uh legend coach here in jacksonville nick saban to the dolphins <laughs> oh sorry uh i don't know i don't have much faith in urban meyer on anything um so can he do it in college sure but I don't think he'll do it in the NFL and it's the Jaguars. I mean, what do they got? (laughs) He's got a lot of work to do with that team if he wants to get anywhere, but uh, no, I'm not, I'm not sold on it. I mean, Alan, they got the number one pick. They got a lot of cap room, you know, there's stuff to work with. There is. I mean, y'all got to think guys that that team was actually a pretty talented team. Blake Bortles held them back for a few years. Um, yeah, but they wholesaled they, their defense. Though. Yeah, exactly. They just kind of blew it all up. Here, here's the thing. This is the one thing I do knew. Crime went up in Jacksonville 26.5% <laughs> since Urban Meyer has been tired. <laughs> oh, that hurts. All right, Liz. It's the you truth. Urban? <laughs> uh, 
I think Urban Meyer's going to get a rude awakening. He's got the whole God complex megalomaniac thing going on, which works okay when you're working with a bunch of college kids, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds. When you're working with guys who are potentially making even more than you do, or at least getting paid millions, and you tell them what to do, if they want to do it, you know, what's what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Jacksonville already had a crap culture. Urban Meyer's not going to fix that. And I think he's I think he's going to get put in his place a couple times, and I'm not sure how much headway he's going to make with this team. Not sure how he's going to handle that either. This guy doesn't yeah. do very well at all, as we've, we've all well documented. The Atlanta Falcons hire Arthur Smith, the Titans offensive coordinator. If you're asking yourself, who? Uh, that's what a lot of people say. <laughs> uh, when the Titans all, you know, hired him last or two years ago, uh, he has you know, done well picking up where Matt before left off at the, at the Titans offense. The Falcons hire him because they're, they're kind of with Matt Ryan. They got to rebuild the offense. Uh, their defense is awful, uh, in spite of the fact that I tried to talk them up at the beginning of the season. They are bad. Arthur Smith. I mean, I, I'll be honest with y'all. I, I thought they would go with somebody that had some experience or more experience, even. I know he's been around the league for a good while, but it's different being a quality control guy and an offensive coordinator than stepping in and running a team. And you got a brand new GM, so they are locked together now to to make this thing work in Atlanta. You know, I think it's an okay hire. I mean, he won't have Derrick Henry there, which I think will hurt him. And let me ask you, you know, has this NFL hiring season been like, let's not hire ben from Kansas City? It's like, that's what this whole uh, coaching carousel has been. Hire anybody but that guy who's leading the best offense in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arthur Smith, I will say, is doing a much better job than Matt LaFleur did with the Titans offense. I mean, Matt LaFleur, uh, for all the people say about him, he didn't use Derrick Henry the way he should have been used when he had him. Arthur Smith at least looks at Derrick Henry and knows, I've got a monster here. I'm going to use that monster. And I think he did a lot better job than LaFleur did as an offensive coordinator. I didn't know what his name was either, Jay. And we're Titans fans. <laughs> you said Arthur <laughs> Smith. I'm like, who the hell is that? Titans <laughs> offensive coordinator. I'm like, I didn't even know we had an offensive coordinator. Let's <laughs> be honest. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll see. The Falcons are one of those teams that they don't fire coaches very often. So uh, being that it's a new GM and a new head coach, I think that's probably a good thing for Arthur Smith. It gives him a lot longer leash than if it were uh, Arthur Smith coming in uh, before the GM and the GM come in afterwards. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, Matt Ryan's coming back from what I hear. That's going to be a huge uh, cap hit for that team. Who's already, I think in cap trouble. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they can do with this team. They have weapons. They just, some reason don't work. <laughs> I mean, I think they've been looking at Arthur Smith for, a while obviously like that's who they wanted it was a good sign as far as they're concerned great offensive coordinator I think they interviewed like seven or eight coaches for this position um we know that Arthur Smith knows what he's doing offensively but apparently he presented a really robust plan for defense and special teams too and I guess that is kind of what sealed the deal for him so I mean, it sounds like he at least has a plan moving forward, experience uh, notwithstanding. Good for him, for sure. Speaking of plans moving forward, 
The Detroit Lions have hired Dan Campbell. He most recently was the Saints tight end and offensive something or another coach, uh, played tight end in the league. A guy whose name has been bounced around for a while for coaching hires, uh, you know, a well-respected guy. But uh, I don't know. To me, it feels like the Lions really went deep into the well to try to get this guy. Lindsay, what do you think? Who? What? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> I actually, I have nothing. I have nothing on this, on this hire. I, I Lions are very little to always going to lion. I mean, that's just it. They're the Detroit Lions. They wasted Barry Sanders. They've been in football purgatory for like 40 years. Like, that's just how it's going to be. Can't, don't you agree there, Brian? Oh, most definitely. This reminds me of the time when the Vikings hired Mike Tice as a head coach. And everyone was kind of like, <laughs> what? Who got off Why? The coach. <laughs> uh, right, but not a head coach at any level. Um, so just a crazy, interesting hire that just tells you they dig deep, or nobody wanted that job. <laughs> I think nobody wanted that job. I, I, I mean, it's, it is the Lions. Considering the Eagles and Texans are still open, clearly nobody wants those. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about those maybe in the coming weeks. Last one, though, and this is our transition point. The L.A. Chargers hire Brandon Staley, the L.A. Rams defensive coordinator, so he doesn't even have to move. Good for him, uh, but, you know, too bad for the Mayflower Company that was ready to, you know, make another you know, coach across the country. Um, funny thing about this, he tried to bring the Rams offensive coordinator with him, and the Rams were like, uh-uh, you're not going <laughs> to Steve Sarkeesian this staff and rip everybody off across town. We're not going to let you do that. Um I, I don't know this guy. I know nothing about him other than the Rams defense was really good. Yes, they got totally torn up by the Packers the last time they played, but that was a rarity. They were a, a solid unit, and he certainly built something good there in L.A. I just well, I mean, want to know, why did they get rid of Lynn? I mean, he finally has his QB, right? We're pretty sure Justin Herbert. Uh, why get rid of him now? It didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I was kind of on that same – both there it's like they kind of took their lumps but they had a rookie quarterback who was showing promise i mean i think this is a good hire he knows defense if he brings somebody in who knows offense i mean they got a a star qb in the making they need to get him some weapons uh in the draft getting some young receivers out there because i think every receiver on the chargers roster is like about to file for aarp last time i checked <laughs> they all got drafted when philip rivers only had like three kids so that tells you how long most of them have been there Speaking of which, old Phillip, 17 years in, decides to hang the Spurs up, go coach some high school ball down in Mobile, Alabama. 17 years, uh, almost all of it, of course, 16 years of it with the Chargers, one year with the Colts here. Finishes up with 63,440 passing yards, 421 touchdowns, 209 interceptions, and a career QBR of 95.2. Uh, not awful numbers, but it begs the question, and of course, it's bantered around everywhere. So I'll ask all of you: Is Philip Rivers a Hall of Famer, Alan? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think he's one of those borderline guys, and th- this what I always go back to: It's not the Hall of Very Good; it's the Hall of Fame. Philip Rivers was very good for a long time. I don't know that he ever broke that plateau to be considered Hall of Fame. Because with quarterbacks, I think you have to look beyond numbers. I think it goes to, um, you know, there's always that something extra. Sometimes it's getting that ring or whatever it may be. Um, 
But, you know, in my mind, I think he's borderline. He may get in one day, but he's not one of those surefire guys. And I will say him retiring makes Big Ben the last man standing out of that 04 QB draft class. Sure does. Who would have thought? <laughs> Lindsey, Brian, what do you all think? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add to what Alan said. He was very good, but didn't have that sparkle, that it factor, that name recognition that I think is what's going to get you votes into that Hall of Fame. Um, you know, the numbers could potentially get him in, but that's not always what they're looking for. So. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Rings can get you into the Hall of Fame. There's a lot of quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame who have rings, but really aren't statistically that great. Uh, there are quarterbacks who are statistically great who aren't in the Hall of Fame. Here's the problem with Phillip Rivers. When it comes to the playoffs, he's no good. He, he couldn't do it ever, ever. There's never a season where he got into the playoffs and looked great, played great, and did anything for those for the chargers and then this year with a really good colts team couldn't get it done so to me that says a lot right there regular season is one thing but you have to perform when it counts the most and that's the postseason and he didn't do it so for me if he gets in he'll be one of those guys who gets in on that veterans vote or something like that he's not going to get in in his eligibility period i i don't think he gets in first ballot maybe not even second ballot but I do think his numbers will get him over. The other thing that we're not talking about, and this does matter when it comes to something subjective like the Hall of Fame, and there's a bit of subjectivity to it. He is very well regarded, not only as a competitor, but as a dude. People liked him. Uh, the media in particular really liked him. They kind of liked his sort of that gummit, brash attitude. He had a little bit of that swag to him. And, you know, for a town like San Diego, which is where he played most of his, his career, that's a pretty laid black joint. Um, he was a different set of energy. And you, what you have to think about is if the Chargers didn't have him all those years, imagine how awful they would have been. He did elevate the talent around him. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, but I do think the guy eventually will get in because of the, the breadth of work. And again, he's, he's a well-regarded dude. But you know what? The, the thing is true is that I don't think Philip Rivers cares if he gets in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one, he's got nine kids to feed, so that's a lot. Uh, and then he's also now going to coach a brand-new high school in Alabama. Alan, you'll have to keep us up to, to date next year on, on Philip Rivers' watch in Alabama, how his, how his team is doing throughout the season. Assuming we're going to have a high school season. Talent down there in the Mobile area. I mean, a lot of NFL players have come out of there. Um, so he's got a lot to work with down there. Yeah, you got to convince him to go to Catholic high school, but hey, you know, it can be done. So great iron um, field trip to an Alabama <laughs> high school football game. I I'm, see it in our future. <laughs> I'm down. We'll go down to Whistles. We'll get some good seafood. I'm always game to go down to the coast <laughs> and, and check it out. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Divisional weekend results are in. We want to talk about those. And I want to throw it to you guys <clears throat> what the losing team needs uh, to, uh, to get forward and go. So somebody else take it before my throat flies out of my, my uh, face here real quick. The Packers beat the Rams 32-18. I almost want to say the score is not indicative, but that's not true. The Packers moved the ball at will on that team. The problem was the Rams did too. They just couldn't score. Um, Alan, how did that happen? I mean, I, I think the Rams are working on making their running game what it should be. Um, I think they got a good young back in Cam Akers. 
Uh, they got some talent at receiver. Uh, here's the thing. I just don't know that Jarrett Goff is the guy. I just don't know that he's the guy that you can trust for 16 games a year who's going to get it done. Uh, but big thing, man, they got to work on that offensive line. Uh, they need the line to open up the holes for the running game, and that makes everything easier for uh, those running backs, play action pass, which is what Sean McVay really likes to do. Uh, what do you think they need, uh, Brian? I, I'm with you. I think it's all boils down to a quarterback that's uh, reliable. Goff is injury prone. Goff is hit or miss. One week he's amazing. And then the next week he's just dismal. Uh, maybe was it Warfolk? What was the kid's name? Wofford. 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 Something like that. Yeah. Maybe he's an answer. I don't know. Is he any good? I, I don't really know. But he played really well when he was in. So maybe he's the guy you give the ball to. Uh, but I, if they have Jared Goff there, uh, their running game gets stuffed. He gets nothing done. I just, it comes down to the quarterback on that team because they have the defense, they have weapons. They're just not being utilized. Yeah. They have extra motivation too, because I believe, and please correct me if I'm wrong, Goff hit his salary cap. So the Rams may have extra motivation to, uh, to accommodate those dollar signs. They are also while they do have a good defense are now going to need a new defensive coordinator since Staley's moved on to the chargers. So they'll need to focus on that some too. Gang, I'm, I'm looking in my crystal ball. I had to step away for a minute and to get a deep look at it here. And I'm back now and I'm here to tell you, I've seen the future of the Los Angeles Rams <laughs> and it's very similar to the future of the current president of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, you had this all-world, all-NFL defense, and you wasted it with a lousy offense. And now it's just going to go backwards. I do think Sean McVay is the kind of guy that will probably get out of town before the Titanic completely sinks. Uh, and is a you know he's only 34, so it's not like we've seen the last of that dude. But, yeah, that, I just don't think the Rams are, are going to be able to recover from this. And, look, we had talked about it enough. We'll talk about them in a bit, but the, the Packers were awesome in that game. They just were. When they needed plays, they got them from, from all kinds of guys on the field. So hats off to them for getting that one done. The other Saturday game, well, you know, I, I don't know how to describe this one, Lindsay. The Bills beat the Ravens 17-3, to but it was kind of like watching somebody beat a sack of flour into, into pieces. I mean, <laughs> it was not an exciting game. No. No, I would agree with you there. The Ravens definitely had a rough go of it. Uh, like, there were so many things that went wrong. Justin Tucker missed two field goals. Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson pulled on concussion protocol, but he wasn't having a great game anyway. He threw that crazy 101-yard interception. Um, that that Johnson caught, ran for touchdown, which was crazy. I think that tied for the record, actually. Yeah, the last time someone did that, George Teague in 1993, 101 yards for pick six. Crazy. Uh, George Teague. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it, and the Bills had a good game. Stephon Diggs also, the first Bills player with receiving touchdown in consecutive playoff games since Thurman Thomas in 95-96. So maybe the Bills will make it to the Super Bowl. We'll see. We, 
we will have to see. As far as what the Ravens need on this one, I, you know, I kind of look at them and I go, well, you just need to get better with what you've got. I mean, they, they could use better receivers, yes, but really what they've got is young receivers who just haven't come into their own yet. They could do well to get those guys together. And, you know, Brian, you talk about how the, the Titans for a while misused and didn't use Derrick Henry right and how the Colts don't really use Jonathan Taylor right. Uh, I don't think the Ravens use their running backs right either. Um, they need to let those guys carry the load um, and split a little bit off of Lamar so he doesn't just take a beating, in my opinion. Yeah, the thing with Lamar is that if he's the only one who's going to run the ball, defenses are going to keep stopping you, right? So you need to have running backs who can make big plays for you so that when Lamar needs to run the ball, he can and he can find lanes, but you can't count on him to be your running back and your quarterback in the same game. You have to count on other people. Uh, you know, Lamar's great. Uh, he didn't have a good game, um, you know, obviously. And uh, but neither did the Bills. The Bills didn't have a really good game either. The first half, I think it was three to three at halftime. I mean, that's just atrocious. Um, but it all it took was that interception and, and the Bills took over that game. But uh, yeah, it's you got to get that running game going and you got to not count on Lamar Jackson to do so many run plays. Let him, you know, be a pocket passer from time to time. You know, I think that's the key. I think Hollywood Brown is a star for them in the making. Uh, get that chemistry going, you know, between him and Lamar. That should be the offseason thing for them is to get their chemistry going. I mean, they've got good weapons, but that if they keep using Lamar as a runner, defenses are going to key in on that and just stop him from running. Well, I made this comment maybe a couple of months ago. They need to get rid of Greg Roman, first off. That is job one. Second of all, they need to shore up the offensive line. But here's the thing. They've got a big decision to make on whether to extend Lamar. Me personally, I wouldn't because I don't think he's the kind of quarterback who's going to win you a Super Bowl. I think he's electric, but I think his passing is below average. He's not very accurate. And, you know, everybody does complain about those receivers. A lot of that's not the receiver's fault. Lamar doesn't put the ball where they can catch it. Now, Hollywood Browns had some drops. Uh, but there's another team that is going to waste a really spectacular defense and end up with nothing. You call him electric. He's like one of those Bond villains that has an electric eel. That never ends well uh, for, for, for the villains. Just so you know. So not that I'm saying Lamar's a villain, but just saying. The Chiefs took out the Browns 22-17, to 17, but not before uh, Patrick Mahomes forgot uh, anything about his existence for a while there. Um, what a hardcore concussion he took uh, being taken to the ground there. Chad Henney, though, comes up with huge plays, two massive plays after throwing a duck interception that gave the Browns life. He runs for, you know, 12 and a half yards and then on a sprint out throws it to Tyreek Hill and ices the game. I mean, what what y'all think of the Chiefs' resiliency and, you know, what do the Browns need to, to go forward? Alan, starting with you on that one. Well, the Chiefs were very resilient. I mean, the Browns really lost, you know, some opportunities. They had that fumble out of the back of the end zone uh, there before the half that really would have changed the dynamic of that game. There was the spearing or targeting that kind of wasn't called late in the game. Um, you know, the Chiefs played well. I was really surprised that Henny was able to, uh, you know, lead them back. Jay, but it's not a concussion. It's not a concussion. Except, you know, when they asked Patrick, Patrick, what day is it? And he said, four. <laughs> 
yeah, that was tough. He looked like a boxer that just got his bell rung hard, but wasn't, you know, fully knocked out. Someone needed to ring the bell and take him to the corner, which they did. Great. But I, it sounds like he'll play. Um, I mean, I was, it was kind of cool to see them prove that they're not just a one man team that the chiefs can pull it out without their star player that was cool to see with the Browns. I think this is one of the few teams that isn't hurting for a quarterback. At least Baker Mayfield really did. You know, he really found his stride this year. He gelled really well. I think for the Browns, they've got to focus on the defense. I know that's a lot of teams this year too, specifically the pass rusher and, you know, work on those safeties, maybe recruit a new one or, Um, that's not the word I wanted to use, but you know what I mean in the draft. There we go. That's what I was looking for, but I think they're definitely going to want to work on that defense this year. Yeah. On third down, they, they were awful this year and they were awful in that game. And that's what cost them the game. I mean, it's kind of like with the Titans, Brian, they couldn't keep off the field. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Am I the only one who didn't think that hit on Mahomes was even that bad? It didn't look like it, but apparently it was. It didn't look like it, he got hurt. It looked like a, a clothesline, right? He got bulldog. Got him around the neck. He didn't hit him in the head, and then he hit the ground, but it didn't look like it was that bad. Anyway, so I can believe it may not be a concussion after all, but like Lindsay said, he looked like he was out of it, or he just was really hurt, and that's all I could think about. Who knows? Either way, the Browns lost this game. The Chiefs didn't win this game. The Browns lost this game. Right. After that call where, where the guy's helmet took the ball out of the, out of the hands and and they called it a a touchback instead of a touchdown or even whatever. I think they fell apart. They they lost all motivation at that point and they just didn't look good. Now Baker tried, but he couldn't win that game. Uh, I like where the Browns are at. I think they are actually doing really well much better than i thought they would be at this point uh so i don't know that they have to improve a whole lot on what they have what they're doing now they just have to be a little more consistent and i think defense is a big part of it um too many games where they should win when they have 25 points and they end up not winning that's a problem so i think they're heading in the right direction and i think this team could you know potentially be a threat next year as well yeah, I mean, Kevin Stefanski did a great job in year one of, of keeping yeah. them together. And, and they did a good job of keeping themselves together, too. And there's, there's a lot of good young talent on that team. Well, after the way Freddie Kitchens drove that team into the ground last year, I mean, you got to give all the praise to Stefanski. He did a great job. I will say on a side note, Stefanski came out and said that um, they have a rule that they don't reach the ball across the goal line. And yes, I'm having technical difficulties in the form of a 12-pound <laughs> schnauzer uh, who's wanting to eat – everything <laughs> and not chill so um but i mean yes fancy's done a great job and i think the browns are heading in the right direction they add a few more pieces through the draft or maybe some free agent pickups they're good to go yeah i think it's best player available build depth and then they're right back in it the other half of the uh i guess what we'll call Lindsay's quarterback uh, durability index tom brady <laughs> uh and the buccaneers cashed in on four new orleans saints turnovers to win 30 to 20 Drew Brees looked sad and awful um, in that game. And, hey, Tom looked sharp. Um, Liz, what would you see? Yeah, look, 
Tom Brady, now age 43, has 45 touchdown passes this year. He's playing like a 23-year-old. It's great with the experience of a 43-year-old, which is just phenomenal to watch. He just doesn't look like he's getting tired at all. Breeze, like you said, he he looks like he uh, he's ready to go retire or teach your coach uh, high school football, maybe in Alabama. Actually, you're, you're going to be uh, seeing him on NBC. Perfect. I think he's going to take Chris Collinsworth's job. So. He can have a couple more Wrangler jeans commercials. Those will set him you know, right on the right path. Based on this I think he's cap already situation, <laughs> Yeah, based on their cap situation, <laughs> I think Drew's okay money-wise. Yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> and that's the other thing. The Saints ha- – oh, I'm not even going to say it. I was – no, I'm not going to say it. Uh, they <laughs> – I am. Never mind. Have the Saints become the new Cleveland? Is this They're the Aints is again. this gonna be a thing? Are they what? What'd you say, Brian? He called them yeah, the Aints. Aints again. The Aints. Yeah. 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 You know the thing about New Orleans, and and I want you to think about this, y'all. If it weren't for Drew Brees coming there, they'd be the San Antonio Saints right now. Like that franchise would have moved post Katrina, but getting him. It turned everything around there. Sean Payton comes in. I mean, and they were they were an electric offense for a long time, 15 years of it. And, uh, you know, the fact that it ended kind of badly, it sort of, I don't know, I liken it to uh, the way my wife described uh, seeing Aerosmith in concert. Like, you know the songs are good, but these dudes ain't playing them like that anymore. They look like they're about to fall over at any minute. And there's no sweet emotion left in those dudes. And I, You watch Drew try to push a ball 15 yards down the field, and it just – you know, sales like a lawn dart or something. Um, oh. Meanwhile, Tom Brady's dropping dimes to like his nine-year-old kid after the game. <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> um, I'm sure he's like, thanks, rub it in, Tom. <laughs> after that was over. But, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I was impressed with the way Tampa Bay took advantage of those many turnovers. You know, they did what you're supposed to do in a game like that, right? Uncle Joe Perry is not impressed. Brady was super flexible in that game too I mean he tried the long pass routes he adjusted to the shorter routes went full-on Patriots again but he adjusted the way he needed to to get the job done and I think that's where that experience really shines for him am I the only one who's gonna say that game was awful though it was ugly like, I didn't think that uh, Brady played all that great. I mean, if you look at it, I think he was 18 for 33. Uh, not super accurate. Uh, I mean, that just wasn't a good game. If the Saints don't turn the ball over like they did, they probably win that game. They could have, but th- that's the difference is this time, the previous two beatings, Tampa Bay turned the ball over. And this time they kept it clean. They ran the ball with Fournette and Ronald Jones Jr. And like you said, Lindsey Brady broke it down to doing that Chinese water torture passing game that he's you know famous for, just dinking it down the field and making making things happen. The other thing too is you got to talk about the Bucks defense took Michael Thomas out of the game. You had three targets, zero catches, um, just really didn't let their guys run free or do anything. In that game. Now, so, you like, did see that Michael Thomas is like having two surgeries, right? That he played the entire season with some pretty severe injuries because mm-hmm. he knew 
thought it would be Breeze's last season and he wanted to try to get to the Super Bowl. No, no, I, I hear that. But on the other hand, I would say, like, but that kind of hurt your team a little bit because, you know, yeah. it, he wasn't even a good decoy because I think they knew he was hurt and they weren't going to go to him any. And, and moreover, he couldn't get open because he was so hurt. So yeah. tough night for the Saints. But, hey, the Buccaneers move on and we'll break down that one in a bit. we got to update the picks records. Lindsay, you went 4-0 again last week. So, once again, 112-59 on the year. Um, it is mathematically impossible for anybody to beat you now. Brian can catch you if things go right. But <laughs> Alan and I are out of this. Um, I can Brian, catch you. Yeah. Brian, <laughs> Brian is 3-1, and 110-61 on the year. Alan, you did go 4-0, so good comeback. 108-63. I'm 2-2 two and two on the year because I went out on the two limbs with the upsets. A 104 and 67. But I got to say, for 171 games picked, Alan, you brought this up. There's not a ton of separation between all of us. There's a, there's a, you know, I kind of feel like Notre Dame in the four spot here. I'm just there because there's no other better options. But I'm here to take my beating and, uh, you know, <laughs> just try to make it respectable as we get into it. Well, we got three games to go left in the year. We got our NFC Championship, AFC Championship, and then the big game because we don't want to get banned on YouTube here. So we'll, we'll be careful with what we say. Uh, let's start with that NFC Championship on Sunday. The five seed Buccaneers, 13 and five, on the road to take on the number one Green Bay Packers, 14 and three on the year they are. Extra 205 Central, 305 Eastern kick on Fox. Alan, we'll start with you on this one. Bucks, Packers, Brady, Rogers. What do we got? Well, you know, guys, this should be a really exciting matchup. You know, we thought we were going to get that in the first one, but the Bucs, um, it was kind of a weird game. The Bucs actually took it to the Packers. Um, here's the thing. Everybody's going to point to that week six game, and I'm going to tell you why that game is an apparition. First of all, Devontae Adams had been out for three weeks with a hamstring injury, and that was his first game back. Alan Lazard was hurt. Also, so – Aaron Rodgers has only thrown five interceptions the entire season. Pretty impressive, right? Well, there was a sequence of plays in that game where he threw two interceptions on four plays, including a pick six that completely turned that game around. He threw the pick six, trying to throw to Adams. Adams didn't run the route right. Come back, throws another interception, and then it was just complete beatdown. Um this is the key to the game, and you pointed it out. You know, you talked about how the Bucks lost when they turned the ball over the Saints and how they didn't turn the ball over. The Packers are 11-0 and when they don't turn the ball over this year. They are 3-3 three and three when there's at least one turnover. The Bucks are 11-1 and one with when they don't turn the ball over. So... It, that, that's going to be the key. Can that Bucks defense force some turnovers? Can, are the, can the Packers just take care of the ball, which they've done a really good job of all year long? Um, you know, here's the thing. Devontae Adams absolutely abused Jalen Ramsey last week. I mean, dominate. Devontae Adams is healthy. He is on another level. That Packers running game is working. They're the best offensive football Home game, Lambeau Field. I'm taking the Packers to win. I think it's going to be a really exciting game. Give me the Packers 24 to, to make 27-24. All right, so you like the pack. Brian, who you got? So here's here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> Drew Brees doesn't turn the ball over either. And the Bucks found a way to turn him over. They did it in game six. The offense for the Bucks is a completely different offense 
than what played the Packers in, in week six, completely different offense. I said that last week for the game this past weekend as well, completely different team playing against these guys. So I don't even know if you can look at what happened in week six and base anything off of that. Uh, It was just a different team, different game. Um, What I like about this game, we're in Lambeau field Packers cold, you know, cold, possible snow. I I don't know. Uh, We'll see what happens there, but you got two quarterbacks who love playing in cold weather. Brady with the Patriots played in a lot of snow games, a lot of cold games and thrived in that, in that environment. Gronkowski did the same thing with him. AJ Brown played in Pittsburgh where it was cold. You've got an offense that's built for cold, but the defense is another story. Are they built for cold? And that's where the key comes in. Can they hang in the cold and cause those turnovers? Cause I know Brady and, and company on the offense, they can play in the cold. It's not going to bother them but the defense is different. I don't know anyone on that defense who really has that cold weather. Uh, You know, that's going to be the key there. I don't think the bucks are going to win this game. I would love to see it because I, Tom Brady would get 10th super bowl trip, which is an NFL record right there. That'd be kind of cool, but I don't think they're going to be able to, to turn it over here and, and, win this game. I think Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams are just too good and they have to worry about Aaron Jones running that ball as well. It's going to be too much for them. So give me the Packers as well. I'm taking them 30 to 21. Here's the difference in the game for, for me is the Packers only give up 270 yards a game on defense and 18 points a game. You can't move the ball on them. You can't score on them. A couple on top of that, how efficient they are throwing the ball, 270 yards a game. They're running for about 135 a game. I, you know, the Bucks defense is no joke, but I don't think they're going to be able to hang with this. This Packers team is on a mission. They, they clearly have righted any you know problems they had in the middle of the season if they were having any, and they're just going to be too much. I, I like the Packers here, and I like them comfortable, guys. I'm going 31 to 14. Lindsey, round us out. Who you got? I think we're all unanimous here, guys. I don't have a ton to add. I went back and forth with the, well, Tampa Bay, they're traveling to the Packers, Green Bay, it's going to be cold. They're not going to be used to that, but they have a bunch of people who've played in cold weather for like 100 years, Tom Brady. Um, It just, it didn't feel like that was going to be the factor, but I think it will be for another reason as well, just to be the cherry on top last week, every, almost every single player on green Bay talked about how loud it felt in their stadium, even with the few fans that they had, because they hadn't really had that many fans in there allowed all year. So that really hyped them up. And they all talked about that and how it sounded like there were 40,000, 50,000, 90,000 people in there, even though there were only, at 20% capacity or whatever the allotment is. So I think that's really going to hype them up. And Jay, I think you said it. They're on a mission. They are ready to win this game. Aaron Rodgers is at the top of his game. Tom Brady looks great. He looks great. Not even just for his age. He just looks great. He's a good quarterback. It's definitely Rodgers against Brady, but at home and the mission that they're on and the momentum that they're carrying I've got to go with the backers, 30 to 27. 
All right, so we are across the board picking the Packers. So we flip over to the AFC Championship. Number two seed, Buffalo Bills, 15-3 and three on the year, on the road to take on the number one seed, Kansas City Chiefs, who are 15-2. and two. This is your 540 Central, 640 Eastern CBS kick. We don't know for sure what Patrick Mahomes' status is. They expect him to try and play, but he's still listed as questionable as of our show here on Wednesday. So factor that in as you think through I, things I will- here. Throw this into you, Jay. The boys in the desert expect him to play, so assume he's going to play. I, yeah, that's an excellent point. Um, I I would be very surprised if he did not play. But that notwithstanding, is that enough? Is that enough reason to pick him, Brian? Let's we'll start with you on this one. Break down the AFC Championship for us, man. Uh, so on the radio today, as I was driving, I heard that uh, Mahomes was a participant in practice today. A light, limited practice, but he's still a participant. They're going full speed ahead as if he's going to quarterback this team. Is that a good thing? I don't know if that's a good thing. Now, I don't know that I want to lay my eggs in Chad Henney's basket so much. Well, anything's possible. Oh, yeah. Good one, Mahomes. Uh, But that said, I just... One bad hit and Mahomes is out for not just this game, but a potential Super Bowl game. And that's not a good thing. So I don't know. The Bills, I like the Bills. I think they're built really well here. I think the defense is good. But this is an elite offense, guys. And if Mahomes is okay and he's firing on all cylinders, he should be able to carve out the Bills defense even as good as they've played. Um, This is a hard one for me because we don't know the status of Mahomes and we don't know how serious that injury was. And we really don't know if it was actually a concussion or not because they're saying what a tweak to his neck or something mm-hmm. uh we just don't know these things so it's it's a lot to think about but i'm gonna go with the chiefs here to win this game to set up the state farm bowl uh happening for us and i'm gonna pick the chiefs to win this in a, an ugly game kind of like this uh last bills game not as ugly obviously but i'm gonna pick him to win 17 to 14. All right, so you like the Chiefs 17 to 14. Alan, how about you? I mean, both these teams have played well. I mean, they've been the class of the AFC. I mean, Mahomes playing is probably a big key to this game. You know, my question is, you know, that Chiefs defense can be had at times. Um, I don't think that, you know, Cleveland had the type of passing game that was built to take advantage of them. I think Buffalo could. Uh, Stephon Diggs has been playing fantastic there. Josh Allen's got a cannon. Um, And here's a fun little fact, guys. The Bills have only lost one game this year that wasn't rescheduled by COVID. All their other losses were games that were moved from, like, Sunday to Monday to Tuesday because of COVID. So just keep that in mind. But that being said, you know, I guess the big question is, is Mahomes going to play? And I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter if Mahomes plays. Because the Buffalo Bills are going to the Super Bowl. I can't believe I just said that. The Bills are going to win this game 27-21. to 21. They're going to circle the wagons, and they're going to ha- head down to Tampa. Lizzie? Oh, my gosh. You saying that made me so happy, Alan. I disagree, but it still makes me really happy that you say that. <laughs> <laughs> So, fun fact, the last time the Bills played in the AFC Championship game was in 1994 against a visiting Chiefs team. So, we reunite on the other end. Bills at Chiefs. 
Look, at the end of the day, Mahomes or not, the Chiefs have Andy Reid, who's proved he has the stones to call any crazy play he wants that thinks is going to win him that game. He wants to win this game. The Bills have Josh Allen. He's great. He has a cannon. You know who has a better cannon? Slightly better? Mahomes. If he plays, if he plays. Otherwise, these teams are so evenly matched on offense and defense. We're talking like right up against each other in all of the ratings. I think Chiefs are first in passing and 14th in pass defense, and Bills are third in passing and 15 or 13th in pass defense. Like we're talking real close. I think the difference, honestly, Andy Reid and Mahomes, if he plays. I'm going to bank on them and I'm going to go with the Chiefs and that crazy play caller. And I like them winning 28 to 17. Let me give you all a statistical anomaly that is the Buffalo Bills. They average giving up 422 yards a game on defense, but they only give up 13 and a half points a game. And I was like, how the heck is that possible? Are they turning people over like crazy? You know what their turnover differential is? Plus four. That tells me you can move between the 30s on these dudes, but you're settling for threes or chances at threes or nothing when you get in that red zone. That's huge because defense travels. Arrowhead's one of those places where it's one of the few places in the NFL where like the actual environment, even on limited fans there, makes a difference. But Buffalo's got one of those places too. They ain't scared. They don't care. They've been up against that wall a hundred times. We talk about Josh Allen with a cannon. And I just watched this movie recently called Master and Commander with Russell Crowe. And he makes this genius move in an attack. He takes the wheels off of his cannons so that his guys don't have to worry about trying to reset them. They can just worry about lining up the shot. That's something I've seen Buffalo do time and again this year. Make those adjustments, particularly in the second half, against teams they shouldn't be able to do it against. I don't know why. I'm probably crazy, but something tells me Buffalo is going to find a way to adjust those cannons, sweep along the broadside, and sink the battleship of the Kansas City Chiefs. Give me the Bills to get this one done. I'm going to go Bills 29, Chiefs 27, and a nail-biter and a real fun one out in Arrowhead. So I'm picking Packers, Bills for the big game. Lindsey, Brian, y'all are picking Packers, Chiefs. Alan, you're on the Packers, Bills train with me. We'll see how it comes down. Uh, Should be a lot of fun for sure. I mean, I think any combo we get, y'all, it's going to be an entertaining Super Bowl, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a question for Alan. If the Packers and the Bills make this a Super Bowl, you got to come on the previous show with the Packers jersey and the Bills jacket. You just got (laughs) to. Got it right here. There we go. There we go. Perfect. I will. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that is a must for sure. Now, speaking of that, next week is the Pro Bowl, which I don't know if y'all have heard is a Madden tournament this year. No. So, um, and I don't know if y'all have seen the league. More entertaining Madden. than the normal Pro Bowl. Yeah, the yeah, the, uh, <laughs> the Madden game hadn't been good since 2006, so it's not exactly uh, something I'm excited about. Though I have agreed for years that they shouldn't play this game because these guys don't want to play it. They played it about half speed. It looks like garbage, uh, and then they try to sell it, and it's terrible. So. I'm fine with just naming it and doing like some skilly competitions or just having people talk or whatever. 
That's are players thing. playing themselves, but in video game form? I, yeah, they're like doing team on team or something. I don't know. That it's, sounds really entertaining. <laughs> it's it's going to be, I don't know, like if you're into watching Twitch and stuff, this is probably for you, though I would recommend Dark Viper AU, much more fun to watch. I watch him play you know, Among Us, um, and it'll probably be better because there's going to be a lot of imposters on the Pro Bowl, that's for sure. <laughs> but as such, there's no game next week. We're taking the week off. We won't have a gridiron breakdown next week. We will be back in two weeks to get you ready for the big game as it is and break it all down for our final picks of the year. Certainly appreciate you hanging out with us. Again, go to thegridironbreakdown.com. That's where you'll find links to our YouTube page, our anchor sites where you can download the audio podcast or our Facebook page where you can watch us live on Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. And get us, uh, you know, get all of our takes and watch us cough and fall down and the dog run through and a cat. And we, we got all of it here. Y'all. <laughs> it's the only football show in the world that does that. I guarantee it. And if it's not, it should be. So share the show, help other people find it. We appreciate the support. So we'll see you in two weeks from Lindsey, Brian, and Alan. I'm Jay. Thanks for listening and watching the Gridiron Breakdown. Thank you for listening to the Gridiron Breakdown. Playoffs? We'll talk about playoffs? You kidding me? I just hope we can win a game. Follow us on our website, thegridironbreakdown.com, or on Facebook. We do things around here my way. You understand that? You're going to be stacking straight all your life, boy. I don't want your life. Tune in next week for more analysis and opinion from our hosts. Now you all scared to ask another question? I'm gonna keep him off the field tonight!